Blog Talk Radio. For the Bobby Eaton Show, yeah. giving you information you'll want to know, speaking on issues affecting us all, and music for the soul. Yeah. It's the Bobby Eaton Show. Bobby. It's the Bobby Eaton Show. Bobby. It's the Bobby Eaton Show. Bobby. It's the Bobby Eaton Show. It's the Bobby Eaton Show. We tell stories our way. All right. Hey, welcome to the Bobby Eaton Show. And this is where we tell stories our way. Black owned, black operated. Hey, that's what we do over here. And we want to just thank you all for tuning in. Uh, We're going live here on KBOB, Black on Black Radio 89.9 FM. So if you're out there in your cars and your houses here in Tulsa, Oklahoma, you can listen to the show. And today we got a great show going on, y'all. You know, so tell your family members, tell your friends, tell everybody to tune in. You know, they can tune in to www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash WFUNK or call the number. You know, a lot of people just call on their cell phones, 646 716 And don't forget to press that one button. So, uh, I guess the weather has lightened up a little bit here in Tulsa. It was, ooh, the other day, it was just freezing. I was just, you know. But, hey, it's gotten a little bit better. So, you know, hopefully uh, nobody's pipes froze over and leaks and had a whole lot of uh, things going on. Well, we're in Tulsa at Oklahoma, home of Black Wall Street. So, if you're ever here, go down Greenwood, check out Black Wall Street. As we prepare for the centennial in a couple of years, 2021, it's going to be people from everywhere coming here. Well, today we got One Church, One Child, Lynn Banks, and we're talking about where do our children go, foster care and adoption. And uh, I'm Tulsa County, you know, so we want to find out uh, <clears throat> where do our children go? Call in and press that one button number and and uh, we'll just be talking to Lynn in a minute. So stick around. She's going to be right up, and she'll be um, telling it like it is. You know, we tell our stories our way, so I can stutter. I can stumble. I can do whatever. It don't matter. All right. Back in a minute. Wake up, everybody, no more sleeping in bed. No more back thinking, time for thinking ahead. World has changed so very much from what it used to be. There's so much hatred, war and poverty. Oh, 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 oh. 
up all the teachers. Time to teach a new way. Maybe then they'll listen to what you have to say. They're the ones who's coming up, and the world is in their hands. When you teach the children, teach them the very best you can. But just let it be. Na, 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 na. The world won't get no better. We gotta change it now. Just you and me. Wake up, all the doctors. Make the old people well. They're the ones who suffer and who catch all the hell. They don't have so very long. Before they judge me day, so won't you make them happy before they pass away? Wake up all the builders, time to build a new land. I know we could do it if we all lend a hand. The only thing we have to do is put it in our minds. Surely things will work out. They do it every time. The world won't get no better if we just let it be. The world won't get no better. We gotta change it, just you and me. Bobby Eaton Show, where we tell our stories our way. And in the studio, we got Miss Lynn Banks. How are we doing, Lynn? Turn that mic around sideways. There you go, like that. How are we doing? I'm doing great. Thank you. Great. Welcome to the show. And uh, we're talking about um, foster care and adoption, you know, and the struggles and stuff that it takes to be in those fields to get our public and our community and people to participate. So how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Yeah. Thank you for asking. We've been, you've been on here before. Yes, sir. You know, and we've had great conversations and relationships to this. And uh, where do you want to start? Um, well, I think I'd like to start with telling everybody that November is National Adoption Month. Okay. So we are looking at ways to make people aware of the need for families, for children who are in Tulsa County. Who need to be adopted. You know, and that's an area, a real touchy area for me because I hate to see any child without a family, you know, without a mother, father, grandmother, somebody in their lives that they can be related to, you know, you know, in relation. So um, you've been de- you've been dealing with this for quite a while now. Yes, I have. Um, I actually work for 
the state of Oklahoma in the adoption and foster care program for approximately 30 years. Mm-hmm. And once I retired, then I started doing this work in the community. Mm-hmm. Now, specifically, how many African-American children do we have in the system? Who would you estimate? Um, for Tulsa County. For Tulsa County. We have approximately a little bit over 300 kids. African-Americans? African-American kids. Didn't that, need homes. Mm-hmm. Well, not all of them need homes, but okay. they are in custody, in DHS custody here in Tulsa County. Um, a lot of them are in kinship placement, means that either a relative or someone that that child has a close connection to has stepped forward to be the foster or adoptive parent for the child, which that's awesome. And the reason that it is is that historically we as African-American people have always stepped up to mm-hmm. take care of our own. Um, from a historical perspective, when families were separated um, in Africa, once they came to the United States, when families were pulled apart and children were left while moms and dads were sent to other places, someone in that community stepped up to take care of the children. All the time. Every time. That's part of our culture. That's part of who we so are. So what has happened now? Because you're not getting that like you used to. No, we're not. It's it's a little bit different now. And we do have family that step up to take care of kids. So I, I don't want to um, discount those families who are already doing this mm-hmm. work. Because we have plenty of them that step in to take care of their grandkids, nieces, nephews, um, godchildren. You have teachers who stepped in, nurses, mm-hmm. that will take care of our kids who are in need. But we also have that population of children who don't have those family members or those kinship relationships that can come in and provide the type of care that they need that meets the qualifications according to the state system. Mm-hmm. So are those uh, requirements very steep, you know, just tight to the point where it almost makes it difficult? difficult for you to even uh, put in an application for a child? Are they so, so you know, like... No, they're not. They're not that strict, but the thing about it is, Mr. Eden, is that it's about educating people. And I, I'm going to change that. I'm not going to say educating. It's about informing people. Mm-hmm. Because if you educate people, they know the information. But if you inform people, then they can act on what they know. That's true. That's true. So if we go out and we inform the public of what the need is, how many children we have, how many children we have waiting, and how one church, one child, who I work for, what we do is we help walk families through that process. And is it a lot of requirements? Yes, it is. Is it a lot of hoops that you might have to jump through? Yes, it is. Is it an invasive process? Yes, it is. But we have to do it to raise our own kids. And the qualifications are you have to be at least 21 years of age. Okay. You can be single. You can be married. You can be separated or divorced. Mm-hmm. Okay. You can own your own home or you can be renting. Mm-hmm. All you have to do is be able to have a room for a child to sleep in mm-hmm. because a child can't sleep in the room with an adult. Do they do like credit checks on you too? They don't do credit checks. We do a lot of background checks. DHS. No, no felons, right? No felons. Um, you can't have any felonies. There are certain criteria for the felonies. 
um, there are definitely some that will automatically prohibit you from being a foster adoptive parent, mm-hmm. and that's state and federal law. Mm-hmm. Do you think some people want to get in foster care so they can get a child or several children just for a check? You know, I'm just going to say it, you know, mm-hmm. just for I want to get, well, I got one and they paying me for this kid, so I'm going to get another. Next thing you know, they got two, three, four kids in the house. Well, I think once families see um, the reimbursement rate, and they call it a reimbursement rate. It's not a payment. Mm -hmm. It's a reimbursement rate because once a child is placed in a home, once you've been approved and passed all the background checks, completed the 27 hours of training, Mm -hmm. um, once the child is in your home, you get reimbursed for the care that you provided 30 days later. So you've already had that child in your home 30 days before you receive any type of reimbursement. Okay, so the reimbursement, is that up to a certain amount of care, or is it like you can just put any kind of number down there? I've had them for 30 days, and I spent $1,200. No, they have a standard. They have a standard? Mm-hmm, they mm-hmm. have a standard, and it's based on the age of the child, um, between the ages of 0 to 5, 6 to 12, and then 13 to 18. Of course, the reimbursement rate is higher as you get an older child because the older child requires more care care exactly mm-hmm. and but there's also room for if a child has some medical problems or behavioral problems then that rate can increase based on the needs of the child mm-hmm. and what it takes for that family to provide care now do you guys provide the professionals to do the assessment for those childs you to check those. Well, he's got this or she has that, and uh, this is what the care is going to be needed in the family and in the home. Yes. Once the family has the child in the home, when that kid is in their home, they'll be able to see, okay, this is going on, this is going on, and we need to get some additional help because I can't meet that need for that child. Mm-hmm. And because the child is in DHS custody. Um, the Department of Human Services will work with the family to get those additional resources and services in place. So if you have a child who needs counseling, they can get those services set up, and that is reimbursed by the state. The family doesn't have to come out of pocket for that. Not at all, all, huh? No, the kids get a medical card that will help take care of those types of needs. If they have a medical condition that requires something out of the ordinary, then the medical card will pay for that as well. What do you feel are some of the biggest challenges that you have uh, going forward with this program? What do you think? Is it inf- lack of information to our community or what is it? I think it is lack of information because I've spoken to lots of groups in the community and I've talked I know to you several have. people. I've seen you out there. So, yeah. Yeah, I try to be here to let people know. Mm-hmm. But um, when I'm talking to people, I try to let them know that this is what's happening and this is what's going on. And to give people an opportunity to make an impactful or an informed decision as to whether or not they want to participate in this program and help a kid that's in our community. Um, we currently have in Tulsa County, there are, we have 300, I said earlier 300, but it was, it's right at 398. So it's closer to 400 mm-hmm. kids that are in custody African-American kids that have been picked up by DHS in Tulsa County. The numbers that I looked at in at the end of October showed that we have 22 traditional African-American 
foster homes approved in Tulsa County. Mm-hmm. Now, those 22 homes are mean that those are not families that are related to children who are in custody. We have more African-American homes, but I'm talking about non-related. That means like you or I would be a foster parent to a child who came into custody. Who exactly. needed care. We have 18 African-American children who are legally free for adoption in Tulsa County, but we have zero African-American adoptive homes approved in Tulsa County. Mm. So when we start talking about, so where do our kids go? Where are they placed? And because we don't have African-American homes to place children in, they place them where they have available beds. Just okay. Well, there's a bed over there, Mr. Johnson's house. So let's just stick them over there. Right. And, and the it, thing it, it's not a, it, it may not even be a good fit for the child. It may not be. Mm-hmm. It may not be. But One Church, One Child, what our contract is, is that we contracted with the state of Oklahoma. They contracted with us to come in and go into the community where children are being removed at a disproportionate rate, which like in the African-American community, we have a higher rate of removal for our kids. So to meet the needs of our kids and keep them connected to community, kin, culture, church, their schools, et cetera, is to go into the community and find homes that will help keep those kids connected. And that's what One Church, One Child does. We go into the community. We try to inform families. We go into the churches. We go to different events in the community. And we try to inform people that we are in need of homes for our children to keep them connected to the community. Mm -hmm. Because when we remove them from the community, we create a different level of um, trauma for kids. Mm-hmm. They're already coming out of traumatic situations. Anytime you have a change in your life, a life major life change is traumatic, not only for adults, but for children. And what trauma looks like is different for everybody. But if you're talking about a child that's been removed from their mom and dad, removed from their brothers and sisters, removed from their school, removed from their church, it causes trauma. So, by finding homes that can keep kids in their community and connected to their culture mm-hmm. helps decrease that trauma mm-hmm. because we all tend to do better when we are with people that we are comfortable around. Now, that's not to say that One Church, One Child doesn't work with any family because we're willing to work with any family that is willing to take a child. But it's important for us to find those homes, African-American homes, that can take our African-American children when they're picked up. Mm-hmm. So uh, how do we deal with it culturally? Say you got an African-American child and you got a, got a white family. They want to, Oh, he's so cute. Let's take, let's take little Jimmy and take him on in. And all of a sudden he goes into a white environment and uh, he's little, he's young. He may not be able to culturally sustain himself because he's in a, white family. Do you guys encourage the, the the other races to culturally train these kids up to, hey, you are a black kid. You are black. Or do you just let them go on and do what they want to do as far as raising that child? Well, you know, the thing about it is, is when a child goes into an environment, hopefully it's a nurturing environment, no matter what race. Well, yeah, we want the family. nurturing. We want that. But you know? what we do at One Church, One Child is we offer a support group 
that is sponsored by the One Church, One Child program. And we invite families to come to our program that have those African-American children in their home. So if they have questions, if they have needs, we have community providers that can come in and talk about the needs of our children. And we provide them any assistance and any question that they might have. If it's skin care, hair care, whatever they need, we're willing to provide that type of assistance to a family. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We help try to connect them to maybe mentor groups and other families who are taking care of kids so that they have a support in raising that child in their home. Yeah. You need this support, you know, because um, I've heard stories of uh, African-American children being placed in uh, other races homes and never have an identity of their own when they grow up, you know, they just don't know anything about their culture or their heritage and they grow up in a whole another it's like uh you grew up in China, you know, you become Chinese and you may not even be Chinese, but your culture is Chinese. And that's know. why it's real important that we find those families where we can keep those connections for kids. Because mm-hmm. connections are important for all of us, not just children. True. But for us period. Mm-hmm. Um we all have connections with our families. We have connections with those people that we grew up with. And when you go back and you're in that environment again, you have a sense or a feeling that I belong here mm-hmm. because you have a connection with those people. Mm-hmm. So that's what we want to do for our kids as well is help maintain those connections for them when they are removed from their birth family for whatever reason. Right, right, right. Which is a good thing right there. So what is uh, the current situation with you guys here, you know, in Tulsa, Oklahoma? I know you've had some challenges and, what are some of those challenges? And, you know, I know I don't want to talk about it unless you want to talk about it. Sure. I can talk about the challenges yeah. because everything that we do in life, we're going to always have some challenges, Miss Dean. Mm-hmm. But um, as far as the work that One Church, One Child does, we have some barriers in reaching those families that we think might want to do this work. Okay. And that's why it's so important that we are in the in, in the community, mm-hmm. finding out where those events and where those people are going to be, so we can be there as well to inform and let them know what the need is for our kids. And this community has been very helpful in that, in a sense. Um, we formed some great partnerships with Edurek. Oh, yeah. Lacey Park. hmm Greenwood Leadership Academy, 100 Black Men's Association, the Black Police Officers Association, uh, A&M Healthcare. There's been lots of people who've come forward and said, we want to help you do this work. Eat Media Services, the mm-hmm. Juice Radio Station mm-hmm. that says, whatever you have going on, we're there for you to mm-hmm. support you in this work because it's a good work. Yeah, and it is a good work. But some of the barriers that we experience is that our whole platform is to get into the churches. And that's why it's called the One Church, One Child Program, because that's where it started in 1970 mm-hmm. uh, in Chicago. And what they did is they looked at the number of children who were in the system in Chicago, and then they looked at the number of churches that were in that same area. And it was if we could get each church to take one child, then we could remove all of our kids from the system. So it's a, it's a wonderful concept. 
And that concept was taken and moved all across the United States to different states so that we could start one child, huh? just take one child to be an impact for one child in your community. So our premise was to go into the church because that's where we have families that have good foundations. There's stability there. They have nurturing hearts and want to help people. But what we've seen is a lot of times the churches, when we go into them, when we can get in, because they're very busy, they have lots of schedules. Ministers are are very busy to uh, get in touch with. But when we do get into those congregations to provide information to them, um, the population is a little bit older. Mm -hmm. And a lot of those families are already raising grandkids. Yeah, you're talking about older seniors and that population. They're the only ones who really adopt, right? Not necessarily. We do have younger people. people Yeah, we have younger people who adopt as well. Okay. But finding them in that venue is not always as easy. Mm -hmm. And um, so we're we're struggling a little bit and finding families Mm -hmm. that will come forward and say, yes, I want to do this work. Yeah. So what we do is we look at, we have to start small and say, maybe there isn't a person in this congregation who wants to step forward and be a foster adoptive parent, but let's start within your own congregation and look at that grandmother who's taking care of her grandkids or who may be part of the DHS system as a kinship placement or at those foster adoptive parents who are already in your own congregation. Let's connect with them and let's get the church to help them. And then they see that it's not as hard a process as pos- as they might have thought. And they form relationships with those families who are already in their church. And they say, you know what? I can do this. We ask them to volunteer, to be come and volunteer at our support group mm-hmm. to help with the kids and meet the families that right, we work with. Right, right, right. Have you been able to get any churches to do that? Um, anybody, anybody here, any church, have you been able to get them to do? And it sounds great to me to be, you know, for a church to take on a foster child or adoption or something. Have you been able to get anybody to do it? We've had we've had some churches that have been um, really good about helping us and that, you know, buy into the program and say, yeah, come on out. Coming so out, you've whatever had a, you've had a few yeah. to do that, huh? Yes, we have. Um, Timothy Baptist Church has been awesome. Antioch Baptist Church has been oh, awesome. Oh, okay, okay. Morningstar Baptist Church has been awesome. Participated. They participate. They they believe in the program. Calvary Baptist Church in Sepulpa. Um, we have churches in Muskogee that say, yeah, we believe in this program, and we do have to raise our own kids. So come on out and talk to us. Uh, our congregation, come out to our Women's Day program, come out to our mission program, come out to our summer events. So we have churches that are willing, um, Metropolitan Church. Mm-hmm. Um, there are there are churches who have stepped forward, St. Andrew's Baptist Church here in Tulsa. You can keep going. Yeah, huh? I could keep going. So we do have those churches who have that kind of open door policy that help us. Uh-huh. But now what we're trying to do is we're trying to get more churches involved to say yeah, you need those churches. We need those churches because we need them for our kids. Cause the thing about it is, is that 
These are all of our children. And we will either pay for what they become or what they do not become. If we don't step up and do it, who will? Yes, that's so true because it takes a village to raise a child. Yes, sir. And we have to take care of our children, and that's something that we need to do. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Yes, sir. Yeah. Well, hey, you're on the Bobby Eaton Show where we tell our stories our way. We want to take some questions and stuff like that. So you can dial the number if you're listening. Just pick up the phone, dial the number 646-716-5525. Again, that number is 646-716-5525 and press the one button. So we're going to take a little break and we'll be right back with uh, Miss Lynn Banks, uh, One Church, One Child. Okay, so that's what we're going to do. Deep in my 
Oh, yeah, you're on the Bobby Eaton Show where we tell our stories our way. Dial the number 646-716-5525. And don't forget to press that one button. Lynn Banks is in the house, y'all, and she's bringing it. You know, we're talking about where do our children go, foster care and adoption. And it's a serious topic and a serious issue when, you know, just think about, about it. A kid has no place to go, no home, nowhere. They're just in the system. And we want to make sure that there's placement that take place for our African-American youth, any kid, you know, in the system, you know. So, um, Lynn, uh, if someone is interested in uh, adopting a child, how can they reach you or what, you know, what information can 
you give us so they can get in contact with you? They can reach me at 918-813-1164, or they can call our 1-800 number, which is 1-800-865-0225, or they can go to our website, which is www.ococok.org. Now, what's the age limit on uh, the kids once they turn 18? Are they free to go and do what they want to do? Uh, yes. Once they become 18 years old, um, and if they're not in school, they're usually in a foster home. If they are still in school, they stay in that foster home until they graduate. Until they graduate. Once they graduate, they're free to do whatever they want to do, correct? Yeah, All the right. state has no more legal uh, responsibility. On an 18-year-old. On an 18-year-old to that child. Mm-hmm. Um, they have what they call aging out. They age out mm-hmm. of the system. What happens in the case of child runaways? Because I'm pretty sure you may have some from time to time. They go into a foster situation and maybe they're 14, 13, and they just decide they don't like their environment, they don't like their situation, and they just run away. Whenever a child uh, runs away, DHS, of course, is involved in that process. Will they do search for that child? Yes, they do. They actually have a, um, I'm not sure exactly what the name of it is, but they have a system where they put our kids out there to let people know that that's a runaway child and to be looking for that child and if they should see them to contact DHS. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So at any time that a child is in a home, they've been um, in foster care in someone's home and, and the abuse is taking place. I'm just getting in on some real talk. No problem. And a, abuse is taking place. Say the foster parent, uh, he's beating the kids and, you know, disciplining them the way he thinks that they should be disciplined, and it's not really correct. The child can call you guys, correct? Yes. And tell you that, hey, Mr. Johnson is just beating me and whipping me every day, and it's just a just abuse, and you guys will investigate. Yes. Every child that is in DHS custody has a worker that is attached to that kid, and those workers go out and visit those homes they have to see those kids, I think it's every 28 days. Okay, at least so, once a month. At least once a month. Mm-hmm. But the child has access not only to their caseworker, but they also have access to their attorney because every child has an attorney. Oh, okay. And in some cases, the court may appoint a um, CASA worker, which is a court-appointed special advocate that works and advocates on behalf of that child. So the child has an several avenues where they can report if they're being mistreated in a home. Mm -hmm. And it is investigated by DHS. And uh, what if, what if a child decides that I really don't like it here? I want to just go somewhere else. That's a conversation that they have with their worker. So they have the opportunity to discuss that with their worker as well as their attorney. And they try to work through it to see, what it is that's causing that placement to disrupt and to not be appropriate or accommodating for that kid. And they try to work through it. And if for some reason that they are unable to, then they start looking at other avenues or other placement options for the kid, because we don't want kids to be uncomfortable in placement. That's true. Yeah, that's true. That's true. 
Because being in, uh, you know, just uncomfortable is just a, because it's already a shock once they leave the system and go to someone's house for the first day. And they're already in shock, you know, because they don't know what to expect, how they're going to be treated or what's going on, you know. Uh, do you do you think children who leave the system and go into a foster house with other foster kids adapt better or is it not, you know, you know, say someone already has two foster kids and they're receiving one more. Okay. So is it a better, is it an easier transition for those kids to be amongst kids who, who are like themselves? Um, you know, that's really hard to say. It just depends on the kid. Yeah, I guess so. It just depends on the kid because, you know, some personality personalities mix well together. Some don't. Yeah, that's true, too. So, And that's that's even common in our own own households. That's uh, common with black people, period. <laughs> you know, you can have your, not even just in foster care, but just normal black families. Yeah, you know? just in general. I yeah. mean, and it's no different than when a child goes into a home. They, um... They just may not click with that family. Yeah, they may not, huh? May not. Yeah. So it's an adjustment factor. Yes. And it's an adjustment not only for that child, but for that family, any biological children that are in that home, and any other foster children that may be in that home. So when you start talking about foster care, I think it's really important that we also have those conversations that this has to be a decision, not just for the mom. Not just for the dad, but for the whole family. Mm-hmm. Because everybody has to be on board to do this work. You can't have mom saying, I want to do this, and dad say, I really didn't want to be a foster parent. Or if they haven't talked to their children, and their children don't want to be part of this system. Because it's an adjustment for everybody. Things change. They do. And just like when you bring a newborn into a home, it changes. When you bring a foster child into a home, it changes. So you really have to have everybody on board, and it, it's real important that families have conversations to talk about what our family is going to look like when we take a kid into our home. Mm-hmm. What What is it going to look like? Huh? What is it going to look like? It's going to change. Yes, it is. And you what know? is our commitment to a child that's going to come into our home? Are we as a family ready to make that commitment? Right. Ready to make the commitment, huh? Ready to make the commitment. Yeah. What do you think are some of the biggest adjustments that a foster child would will endure going to a foster home? You know, we all grow up in families where we have different traditions. Our culture is different. For sure. And when we talk about culture, a lot of times people think culture is directly related to race. Mm-hmm. Culture is not just race. Culture is culture. Culture is culture. Mm-hmm. And you can have a different culture in every family that you go into. That's true. So We have a culture over here. You have a culture the where Juice you... Juice Radio Show and myself and all of us, we got a certain type of culture. Yeah. And, and kids have to learn that culture because mm-hmm. they're coming from one culture to another. Mm-hmm. And a real generic example of that difference, for instance, could be that in the home that they lived in, everybody made their plates and went to their bedrooms and ate. When you go to this foster home, everybody makes their plate and everybody sits at the table and eat dinner. That's an adjustment. That's an adjustment. But that's the culture mm-hmm. of that family. Right. And everybody does it that way. Everybody does it that no way. No exceptions. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's those little adjustment things are different 
when you go from one environment to another, just like changing jobs. When you go from one job to another job, you may have done things one way at this job, but now you're doing it this way. Our totally different job. Totally so, different So now you got to make that adjustment. So it's the same thing with our kids when they go to from their home-based family to a foster family. But think about that, Ms. Dean. We are asking kids to adjust every time they have to be moved. And our kids are moved a lot. Because if the first placement doesn't work out, then we have to look for another placement for mm-hmm. them. So mm-hmm. they've left their home base. They may have left the first foster home. They may have left the second foster home. They may have left the third foster home. That is a lot of change in a child's lifetime. It is, most definitely. And it would be, it would hard be a lot on of us. change in my, my lifetime as an adult to go through that many, you know. It would be hard for us as adults. So mm-hmm. we have to think about that when we get ready to make that commitment to a child is are we going to be in this for the right reason? Mm-hmm. Are we doing this to help a child, not for my own personal benefit? Yeah. So I guess the adjustment for those children, is it easier at a young age? You know, say you, you're a baby, you're just four years old or five years old and going from house to house. Okay, you maybe is it easier for them than a 13 or 14-year-old? Moving from home to home? Not always. Not always? No. Because I think a lot of it depends on what that child experienced in that home base. Uh, If they grew up and were raised in a family where there was uh, maybe constant domestic violence or uh, drug use in the home or constant yelling and screaming in the home, I'd use domestic violence because that's one that impacts are really, really impacts a child. Um, if they've grown up in a home, even as young as two, three, four years old, mm-hmm. and say you have a mom and dad that fight and yell and scream at each other, and you've had police officers come into the home, that's very traumatic for a kid. They don't necessarily understand what all is happening and going on, but they know something's not right. So when you move them to another home, maybe you remove them due to the domestic violence in that home. When you move them to another home, that's all they know. So it may be an instance where maybe somebody, maybe the foster mom, foster dad are um, having a very strong disagreement. What the child does is a lot of times they relate that back to where they came from. So it could be hard for them in that environment as well. Uh-huh. So it just depends on what the child has experienced mm-hmm. and what their needs are. And what the needs of the child are. Yes, sir. And uh, that's so important. Yes, it is. Yeah. Do they get a chance to meet with those children and kind of fill them out before they come home? Is there a time frame like, well, we're going to send Johnny to your house in three weeks. Meanwhile, you come up here and get to know Johnny. Do they have that, or is it just like, no, when Johnny leaves here, he's going straight to you. He don't even know who you are. That would be ideal um, for a child to have an opportunity to meet the family prior to placement. But due to the fact that we have such a limited number of resources, a limited number of families, period, that are available to take the children that come into care, um, we have to place them somewhere. 
they so have to the, go so somewhere. So the parents never get a chance to see the child before they come? The foster parents, not always, no. They don't even know what they're getting. The worker talks to them. They'll call. They have um, workers that will I mean, call and talk are, to families. There's not like a little conference room and the kid and the, and the parent gets together and get in there and introduce themselves and... Um, like I said, not... that's an ideal um, oh, wow. situation. I didn't know it was like that. Okay. Yeah, that's an ideal situation. And when staff have the time and availability, some of them really do try to do that to make it an easier transition for the child and the Same family. Like that wouldn't be that difficult, though. Or is it difficult? Yeah, hey, it son- can be. Sunday, Mr. Johnson and Mrs. Johnson can come up here and just meet in the cafeteria with, with JoJo? Well, it depends because depending on what the situation is. If you have a child that's in a family and this family is saying, we got to get this, you got to get this kid moved today. He has to go today. Oh, well, you got to take him today. Huh? You got to take him today. Do they come and do you guys deliver the child or do they pick the child up themselves? It can go either way. Uh, sometimes the DHS worker makes arrangements to take the child to the family's home. Sometimes the families come to the DHS office and pick the kid so up. So either or, huh? Either or. Mm-hmm. 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 That's interesting. Yes, sir. Yeah. Well, we're going to take a little break. I got to pay some bills. You know, people say, pay the bills, Bobby, you know, so I got to pay some bills. So you're on the Bobby Eaton Show where we... Searching for ways to grow your we business? We perhaps you would like way. to invest in Tulsa's African-American community. The Black Wall Street Chamber of Commerce is a great place to start. The Chamber was created to serve and increase the visibility of needs in our community. It is an umbrella organization for local businesses, the Tulsa Juneteenth Festival, BWS Black Women in Business, and the Grassroots Economic Development Fund known as BWS The Power Group. For more information about the Black Wall Street Chamber of Commerce or to donate to The Power Group, visit bwschamber.com. Hi, I'm Denise Parker with Midtown Embroidery. We do it all from any type of promotional, from screen printing, embroidery, school uniforms, Greek lettering, workwear, monogramming. There's no job too big or too small and no location too far. Let us be your one-stop shop. We're located at 2808 East 15th Street, Tulsa, Oklahoma, 74104. Our phone number is 918-982-3254. Our email address is denise.tulsamidtown at gmail.com. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, the all-new KBOB 89.9 FM, Black on Black Community Radio. Dawn Tree here, CEO of Underground Tree Studios, your one-stop shop for graphics, web design, and art. We do workshops, we do mural workshops, we also work with elders in the realm of technology. And if you're looking for a logo, a business card, or a website, we have you there. You can find us online at www.utreep.com. That's the letter U-T-R-E-E-P.com. So if you're interested in any of these services, feel free to visit Underground Tree Studios online at utreep.com. Peace. It's the Two Dogs Radio Show. Sports Talk has two new voices. Jerome and Young, Talk NFL, NBA, NCAA, and local sports. Highlighting legendary coaches locally and around the globe. Two Dogs Radio Show starts. If your credit starts with a three, four, 
five or six, this is for you. Did you know that it's costing you to have bad credit? You can't get qualified for that house or apartment and you're paying high interest rates, along with paying high car insurance, and it may be costing you that job that you really want. What are you waiting on? Take more of a holistic approach. Pick up the phone and call the Credit Shiro at 832-642-1554 or text CAMP to 76626. With 13 amazing services, we restore and repair generations to come. Once again, call the Credit Shiro at 832-642-1554 or text CAMP to 76626. If you know better, you do better. Only the Credit Shiro can help you to save the day. Radio show and two dogs radio show. Yeah. I do it big. Okay. You better R E S P E C T me. Tulsa, Oklahoma. Stay connected and call us now at 646-716-5525 and press 1 to go live. Ah, uh, yeah. That's every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. And on Saturdays from 12 to 2, uh, Juice Radio Show tomorrow night, Thursday, headed up by Ramal, the hometown heat, young people doing young things. And speaking of the Juice Radio Show, we just got back uh, about a week or so from uh, Atlanta, and it was a trip of a lifetime, you guys. Let me tell you a little bit about what took place. We left here, Tulsa, Oklahoma. We were in a 15-passenger van, and we left here, and we headed to Memphis, so once we got to Memphis, we went to the Lorraine Hotel where Dr. King was. So they got a chance to see all of that. And then we left there from Memphis and we went to uh, Atlanta. Once arriving in Atlanta, we stayed in a beautiful Airbnb. I mean, it was nice, full of rooms and comfy. And we ate there and had a podcast there. Guy came over there and uh, interviewed the Juice Radio Show. Had some speakers come over there as well. And our first trip was to CNN News. Now, look here. CNN News has a daily tour that goes on all day. So if you go to CNN, you can take the the regular tour. So well, we took the regular tour. Then we took an intricate tour, again, without the normal people, and they took us to the guts of CNN. So we went in some rooms, and we saw some uh, – some production and stuff. And I was just at all. Oh, wow. Look at this stuff. And the young people were like, Hmm, this is how they do this and do that. So upon, uh, participating with CNN and meeting a lot of good people, teaching us a lot of great things. We left, went back to our van, which was in a paid parking space. And our van was vandalized. And uh, we were all kind of down, heads down. Uh, it was some professionals who did it. 
laptops and um, cameras and other things were missing, headphones and you name it. You know, I wasn't there. So we were kind of di- down, had our heads down. But then again, the Juice radio show held their heads up and said, hey, let's go forward. So, uh, you know, and by the way, we have some uh, some GoFundMe programs and some PayPal programs and some you know things on social media to recover that. So if you want to donate, you can go to Cash App if you got Cash App, Eat Media Services. That dollar sign, Eat Media Services. Go ahead and if you want to donate anything to help us still try to recover some of this stuff, which we're still working on right now, or you can go GoFundMe Juice Radio Show. You know, and donate and help out these young people. I mean, I worked so hard. Me and Ramal Brown, the hometown he, we worked hard to, to put that uh, trip together. Thank you, Tulsa, for donating and helping us make a dream come true for young people. And uh, we went to Radio One as well, where the Ricky Smiley Show is, and other shows are there. We got a chance to meet all of them and walk around all these different uh, radio stations all together in one place. And uh, we got some education and some knowledge. We went, um, we left there, and um, we went to, uh, um, where did we go? The King Center. Yeah, we went to the King Center. We saw where Martin Luther King was born and where he raised his family. And um, then there was a big old mural on the side of the wall in East um, Atlanta of outcasts. You know, you had Big Boy and Andre 3000. Big old mural, you know, right there. Somebody did a. A uh, fantastic job of painting. Then we went to uh, uh, by the T.I.'s uh, Trap Museum. That's what they call it. And that was an experience for an old guy like me. I was um, walking around there, and they had every rapper and hip-hop artist you could name off in there, pictures and things like that in history up in T.I.'s place. And then we went down to uh, Killer Mike's Barbershop, and then we went to uh, Legacy uh, House, which is Jay Morrison's uh, Tulsa, the Tulsa Fund, you know. So we were there, and, man, did we get a, a tour of that place. We went to the Black Civil Rights Museum, and it's brand new down in Atlanta. And, it, you know, one thing about that Black Civil Rights uh, Museum is that you stand up in the line, and the first thing you do is come to a simulated uh, lunch counter and you sit down at the counter and you got some headphones and they put the headphones on you and you close your eyes and it's simulated like back in the uh, Jim Crow era and you heard white folks uh, just cursing black people out. Neither I'll take this fork and stick it in your neck and blah blah blah. You heard all this kind of stuff and it puts you in some kind of way of hearing how bad it was doing the Jim Crow era. So we did that in Atlanta and we did so much. I mean, we went, we did more than just visit in one place. We went all over Atlanta. Uh, the young people took Atlanta hip hop tour, which took them to the uh, skating rinks and showed them everything. It wasn't just, uh, it was history involved too. A lot of history about King uh, and other civil rights activists for back in those time periods, they were there. And so we got a chance to really see everything. That was a trip of a lifetime. You know, we went to the Tyler Perry Studios, got over there, and that was, like, fantastic. I was like, ooh, 
So we did a lot in Atlanta. So we're going to be doing more trips like that. And I'm going to be taking more children on trips like that. And because I think think if you invest into your youth, they can see something that they normally don't get a chance to see and experience, you know. And here in Tulsa, Oklahoma, we're kind of limited on a lot of stuff here. So, hey, we just take them to where the stuff is so they can see it. So invest in our youth. Uh, give us a donation. If you want to give a donation, you can come by 1533 North Norfolk, uh, Eden Media Services. We got a donation bucket in here. I'm in here all the time, and uh, you can do that. So we want you to participate. Get involved. Do something. Don't just sit around the house and do nothing and, you know, spend a couple of hours. Volunteer for somebody. Cut cut Miss Williams' yard or something, you know. Uh, ladies, get in there and wash your dishes and clean up. You know, just you guys get involved like, the, you know, they used to do back in the day. I remember if my grandmother was sick in the house, uh, lady Miss Williams would be coming down the street with a big old pot of greens. And she said, baby, hey, just put this on the stove. You know, and I said, okay, thank you, ma'am. And here come here, here come Miss Scott coming with a, a pan of cornbread. You know, hey, here you go to go with those greens. And it took a village. And then next thing you know, don't wake her up. Don't say nothing. Just it's gone. We just gone. We'll get our pans later. You know, so that's what it was all about, serving the community, helping the community out. You know, nobody's selfish. Nowadays, people don't even know their neighbors. You don't even know who your neighbor is next door. So uh, we need to get back to the Black Wall Street way of life, turning our money over to our people over and over and over and over and over, investing in black product, you know. And speaking of black product, we are having uh, me and um, Nehemiah Frank, on Friday, we've got a series going on. Is why don't blacks advertise? And that's one thing we got to get into. It's 2019, and we have a hard time just advertising. I'm not just saying on radio, but flyers. Social media is free. So when we don't see you on social media advertising your business for economic development. So we're going to be talking about that Friday night. You can dial in. And the number you can dial is 646-716-5525. You can't remember all of that. Just Google the Bobby Eaton Show where we tell our stories our way. And where do our children go? Foster care and adoption, Lynn Banks. And uh, we've been kind of chopping it up about this, this situation right here. Now, let me ask you this. That child's in foster care, right? Can they affect? Do they do like families, like brothers and sisters together, and they can go into a home together? Yes, the preference is for siblings to be placed together. Siblings to be. So say a sibling is already placed in a home, and another sibling is uh, out there, but that foster care don't want to take in that sibling, and will they take that other child and place them somewhere else? Yes, because... When we start looking at placement, when children first come into custody, DHS tries to make sure that kids are placed together if you have brothers and sisters. Because the sibling bond is the longest bond you'll ever have. That's the person you've experienced everything with, whether it's good or bad. You experienced it with your sibling. Mm -hmm. So if you're coming out of an environment where it was a bad situation, a lot of times brothers and sisters turn to each other. For comfort and support and security. So we know that that bond is very important to children. 
So the goal is to make sure that we're placing brothers and sisters together. Unfortunately, a lot of times, because when we're looking for families, sometimes families come into custody and they only are willing to take one child. So if they're only willing to take one child, this family's only willing to take one child and this family's only willing to take one child, and that's the only placements we have available, then a lot of times the kids are separated. So if they are separated and say that foster parent knows that uh, Jimmy's over there, her brother, Sabrina's brother, and they're over there, can they get together and visit and stuff like that? Yes. They arrange visits for children to be able to see each other. Yes. See siblings and stuff like that? Yes. And those visits can take place uh, it face-to-face. They can let the kids talk on the phone. They can let them do FaceTime, uh, email back and forth. We've even had kids that communicate with each other on Facebook, you know, whatever it, it takes for those kids to maintain that connection with each other. Yes. Mm-hmm. Kids now, not, oh, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. I was going to say, also when kids come into custody, um, they all DHS works to try to maintain connections with family who are safe and appropriate for children. They may not be appropriate for placement, but that doesn't mean that they can't be a connection for a child. Mm -hmm. Because, for instance, you may have a grandmother that may live in a senior living center. That senior living center doesn't allow for children to be placed there. But that doesn't mean that that grandma is not an important connection for that child. In their life, right. So they do try to maintain as many connections as possible Mm -hmm. for children while they are in custody. Mm -hmm. Now, a question of biological mothers and fathers. Yes. Say they were incarcerated or they were on drugs or something like that, and their kids did go in the system, right? Correct. Right. Now they've cleaned themselves up, got them a home, got them a job, and they're working. Can they qualify or put in something to retain their children? How does that work? When children go into foster care, foster care is considered Temporary placement. Okay, temporary placement. Foster care is temporary placement. The goal is for children to be returned home. Okay? So when children come into custody, DHS works with the court system, and they develop a plan for children to be reunited with their parents. Okay. Okay. So the goal is not to keep children from returning home and going back to their families. That's not the goal of DHS. The goal of DHS is to ensure that children are living in safe environments. So if the families can correct the conditions that brought the child into custody and it's safe for that child to go back home, that's the goal is to get kids back into the home. Back into the home, huh? Correct. So how is the success rate at that? Is it, um, does it happen often or maybe it's slow? Um, it happens. As far as the percentages, I'm not sure, and I I would hate to try to quote that, not knowing the exact numbers, mm-hmm. but parents do work to get their children back. Mm-hmm. There are uh, successful reunification efforts going on every day, mm-hmm. so you may have a situation to where um, the children were removed from an environment where there was neglect going on, mm-hmm. and when I say neglect, I mean, I mean, maybe it's the environment that they were living in. Maybe mom and dad were living in a house where there was no running water, there's no electricity, there's no heat in the home, there's no food in the home, or the home is um, 
been trashed out, that's a neglectful environment. And children are removed from that environment. Mm -hmm. But the family is given a plan to correct that. Get into an environment where your children would be safe and they can be fed and they can be taken care of. And the court gives the family the opportunity to correct those conditions. Families moving into other places, um, getting resources and services into that particular home where maybe kids are sleeping on the floor. Maybe they connect them to a church that can provide beds for that family in that new home. Maybe part of the plan is for mom and dad to get a job so that they'll have income to be able to buy food and pay for utilities and the things that they need. Maybe the parents need a parenting course. They'll get the families enrolled into parenting courses. And during this entire time while a child is in foster care, if it's a safe environment, the moms and dads get to visit with their children. Okay, they can come over to the foster house. And uh, do they meet in a park or what? How do they? How does it happen? It just depends on where they are in the case and what the circumstances are. If it's safe for um, the family to meet with the foster family at their home, it takes a while to get there. Mm-hmm. And it has to be an agreement on all parties' part. DHS has to agree to that. Mm-hmm. The foster parents have to agree with that because that's their home. But Visits take place um, in the DHS office. They do visits at McDonald's. They do visits at parks. Okay. Uh, it's kind of everywhere. Huh? Yeah. The A lot of times what we're talking about is bridging. You want to – we foster care bridges with families. And our hope would be that that foster parent who has that child temporarily will bridge with that biological family. So it creates a bigger support system for the child. Mm-hmm. So – If foster mom is taking the child to the doctor, she can call that bio mom and say, hey, Johnny has a doctor's appointment this morning. Do you want to go? Do you want to come to church with us? Mm -hmm. Uh, We're going to have a birthday party at McDonald's. You guys want to meet us there for the birthday party? Okay. So So it's open enough to be that way. huh? Yes. So and it all depends on the parties that are involved in this particular process and what is going to be safe for kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, are there any uh, What's the numbers on boys and girls Are there more boys in the foster care system Are more girls Or is it about equal I think it's pretty much about equal Boys may edge them out just a little bit But it, it's pretty equal As far as the um, Gender of the kids who are in care mm-hmm. Okay So how do you Discipline the children who are kind of Defiant you know they're there and they, they always they got things going. Now we know that most some of them have been traumatized and been through so much. How do you handle uh a lot of the discipline when it comes to children like that, you know? What do you do? I mean, do you just have to grab them and hold them and sit them down or you just have to talk to them or you trying to share love with them? Or what do you how do you handle the discipline. You got a 14-year-old boy who just don't want to do nothing you wanted. You tell him to do. Well, and that's a conversation that I think the family has to have with the worker to say, hey, we're having some difficulties out here. We're struggling. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure some of that happens. Yeah, we're struggling. Of course it happens. I mean, mm-hmm. it happens in our homes with our oh, everyday yeah, You don't teenagers. even have to be in the foster system. No, you don't have right. to be in the foster system right. for that you to happen. You. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and I think that's what people have to realize is that they think, oh, no, teenagers are too hard to take. Teenagers are no different than our own teenagers that we raised. The only difference is it's not our teenager that we gave birth to. 
Right. And they're experiencing and doing the same things that our kids are doing and that we did as teenagers. It's no different. Mm-hmm. It's just that it's not a child that you gave birth to. It's not biological. It's not a biological child. But when That's okay. And it's okay. Exactly. So what you have to do is you have to take that into consideration that these are not bad kids. They just come out of bad situations. Okay. And good I, way to put it. I think if people look at it that way, kids are not bad, inherently bad. Mm-hmm. They come out of bad situations. A lot of our kids that come into care, teenagers especially, are in survivor mode. They've learned how to be survivors in the environment that they grew up in. Mm-hmm. It was not by choice. They were born into that environment. So they've learned, they didn't choose that. They didn't choose it. So mm-hmm. they've learned how to survive in that environment. And I think that's what we have to take into consideration a lot of times, especially with teens. Because teens, of course, are the hardest population to place. Because everybody wants a baby. They want a little baby. They can raise a little bitty baby. That's exactly right. They don't know right. what's going on. That's yeah. exactly right. Everybody wants a baby. But that baby started you know, that teenager started out as a baby and then they've had to adapt to whatever has been thrown in their path. But we have people who raised successful teenagers. You have those empty nesters, those people whose kids have gone to college. Those are the people that we're looking for because they know what it takes to raise a teenager. And we need people who are patient, who are nurturing, who are caring, who've already done this. They, they, there's no book for it. Yeah, no book. There's no book, but they've experienced raising a teenager. And those are the people that we want that have a sense of calm and patience about them. That can be what a teenager needs them to be at that point in their life. It's about making a change for a child, or making a difference, not necessarily a change, making a difference in a child's lifetime at that point in their lifetime. What we have to learn how to do and what we ask not only just foster parents is love a person where they are right now. Accept them for where they are right now. Mm-hmm. Do those foster, foster uh, parents take foster parenting classes? Yes. Every foster parent is required to take 27 hours of training. The training is provided by the Department of Human Services. They have different formats of the training where parents can take it on the weekends, they can take it uh, during the week. They at one point is they, that mandatory? Yes, it is mandatory mm-hmm. for anybody to be a foster parent. They have to complete the 27 hours of training. They have to complete a fingerprint background check. They have to complete a OSBI background check. They have to have a medical, a physical completed. So yes, there are some mandatory things that are required for every family to be a foster or adoptive parent. Hmm. Lot. Yeah, it is. It's a lot of work. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm not saying that this is an easy process. It's a process that takes a committed person. It's not something that you decide overnight that I want to do this, but that's why I'm here. So if you are even, if your interest has even been piqued, give me a call so I can talk to you about it and help walk you through the process. Because that's what we want to do. We want to inform people. We want to give you all the information. It's not that we want to give you bits and pieces. We want to give you everything that you can have and know to be successful and help and raise one of our African-American children. Mm-hmm. So give us uh, some contact information once again. Um, the contact information 
is my phone number where you can reach me is 918-813-1164. We have a 1-800 number you can also call, and it's 800-865-0225. Or you can reach us at our website at www.ococok.org. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's interesting. Um, yeah, I'd like to encourage everyone, you know, if you're if you're able to take on a, a foster child to get involved and take on one, just, you know, go for it. You know, some of you guys are sitting around and you don't have nothing else to do. You're in your house just kicking back watching TV. Invest into a young mind, you know. And, you know, Everybody can do something. That's what I say all the time. Everybody can do something. They can do something, huh? If you can't foster, adopt. If you can't adopt, volunteer. If you can't volunteer, donate. If you can't donate, mentor. If you can't mentor, pray. So everybody can do something. You may think that it's hard to do this work, but it's as simple as, as far as, me or my individual family, you can provide a Sunday meal to a family that's in your church that's already fostering and adopting. There's so much you can do. You can donate gently used clothes. You can give a gift card to a family to take them out to dinner. CC's Pizza, just so a foster parent or adoptive parent don't have to cook that evening. Um, you can get approved to provide backup care. You can support a child in an athletic Activity, Attend the game and cheer them on. You can offer to go over and lend a hand, maybe cook a meal, fold laundry, watch the kids while the foster parent goes in grocery shops. Be an honorary grandpa or aunt or uncle to a kid. Become a respite provider. And what a respite provider is, is if a foster adoptive parent, for some reason, has to go out of town, say, to a funeral or has to be hospitalized for a medical procedure, Get approved to be the person that can provide care for that child while the foster parent is incapable of doing it. Be a big brother or sister. Provide a job for you. If it's nothing but cutting a yard, it teaches them something. Yeah, it does. Um, If nothing else, share a brochure with someone. We have brochures all over the place. Share our page on your Facebook page. You never know who might be saying, you know, I've always wanted to know about that, but I didn't know who to talk to. Didn't know who, yeah. We have a One Church, One Child Tulsa Facebook page. I encourage everybody who's listening to this podcast to go out, like our page, and share it. Because you never know who you might reach or who you might touch. And in that way, you have also helped us to do this work. It's work to be done. It's work to be done. A lot of work to be done. Mm-hmm. All right, we're going to take a little break, and we're going to come right back. We're talking with Lynn Banks, uh, One Church, One Child. We're talking about adoption and foster care and all of it, something that's needed in our community. So we'll be right back. Stick around. Man. 
Bobby Eaton Show. We tell stories our way. Hi, yeah, we tell stories our way here on the Bobby Eaton Show, and uh, we appreciate you tuning in. It's Lynn Banks uh, here. We're talking about uh, foster care and adoption and much needed situation. We're going to be having some interesting uh, topics here. Uh, the all new KBOB Black on Black Community Radio, eighty nine point nine FM radio. So if you're out there listening. Uh, tell a family member, tell a friend uh, to start tuning in. We're going to have uh, a lot of different formats of information taking place in talk radio. Uh, we even got a sports show. We got an agriculture show. Vanessa Hall Harper has a show. She's coming on uh, to give this information to uh, our community and to our people. Those of you who are listening on Internet, global, hey, same thing, nothing, nothing changes. Uh, we're going to be right here. So we want you to tune in and get involved. Help somebody. Help one, teach one. Ain't that right, Lynn? Yes, sir. That's right. So uh, foster care, that's a serious situation. Sometimes it's overlooked, you know, and in our community. And we don't know a lot about it, you know. And so to have this information that you can take back and you can say, well, hey, I heard on the Bobby Eaton show and men were saying blah, 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 such and such, you know, that you can do this and you can do that. Because I'm pretty sure there are uh, parents and people out there that would like to adopt a child or get someone in foster care, but they just don't know how to go about doing it. So what do they need to do first? Say, I wanted to go get a child. And I'd like to have a a little boy, man, you know, nurture him, foster care. What would be my first move? Your first move would be to contact me. Okay. And what I would do is I would help walk you through the process. I would talk to you about the program, find out what your interests are, um, just a little bit about your motivation for wanting to do this. And if it's tell you more about the program, give you more information, what the requirements are going to be, uh, sort of what it might look like with a kid who comes into custody 
and what you would need to do to get approved. That's what the One Church, One Child program does. Mm -hmm. We help walk families through the qualifications. Qualifications. So we go out, we do presentations. We have people who are interested come in and talk to us or talk to us on the phone. If it's something that you want to do, then I come out to your house and help you complete the application. We don't want to miss a step in the process because you are needed so desperately that we are going to do everything for a family to be successful and be in a foster or adoptive parent. Mm. Sounds sounds good. Sounds interesting. You guys need a a spot, a, a building, or something. You know, some place. I I guess I don't know. That's just me talking. Uh, I love children. I love uh, families and stuff. And I love to see people putting people's lives together and doing the right thing. You know, because uh, mine is a trouble thing to waste. Yes, sir. But we say that all the time. Yes, sir. And yeah. Well, earlier in the show, I talked about November being National Adoption Month. You did. And it's a time when we recognize um, those families who have made that commitment to adopt a child who has been in state's custody. And it is recognized nationally all over the United States in regard to supporting and praising those families who are out here doing the work. One Church, One Child is partnering with churches uh, across the state of Oklahoma, and we're asking that churches pray on Sunday, November the 17th, with us in regard to the children who are waiting foster and adoptive home placement, and also to help promote and share with the congregation the need for us to have more African-American foster families available for our kids who are waiting to be taken care of. We are also doing community events. We're in the community all the time. Yeah, you got an event coming up, right? Yes, sir. You we... wanna you wanna tell us a little bit about that? Yes, sir. On Saturday, November the sixteenth, One Church One Child is partnering with Lacey Park Community Center here in Tulsa. Mm-hmm. And we are having our second annual community health fair. It will be at Lacey Park at twenty one thirty four North Madison Place in Tulsa. The event is from 10 to 3 p.m. And we will have um, community health vendors that are going to come out and provide information to the community regarding um, counseling, health care, the American Heart Association, the Alzheimer's Association, Triad Eye Center, A&M Healthcare, Caring Hearts Counseling Agency, uh, we're going to also have a lady, Miss um, Susan Wells, who's going to come out and talk about the Affordable Health Care Act for those people who are still needing health care. We're going to have some community vendors who are right here in the community providing services and goods that we can get in our own community without having to go other places. We'll have activities for the kids that are coming in. Um, We'll have some craft tables and different things going on for our kids. We have the black police officers who are coming out. We have the 100 Black Men's Association who's coming out that's going to have a table to talk about mentoring. If you have a kid that needs a mentor. Yeah, I heard uh, our own Juice Radio show going to be there too. The Juice Radio show is going to be there. They're going to emcee the program for us. We Mm -hmm. had a wonderful time last year. Mm -hmm. And we're just asking. 
Ramal came uh, out. Ramal, the hometown heat. Huh? Yes, Ramal was wonderful, and we just really appreciate him. Yeah, good, good dude. Yeah, very good dude. But um, we would like for people to come out and support the event, learn more about National Adoption Month. Uh, we have a proclamation from Senator Kevin Matthews. Uh, he did a proclamation for us for National Adoption Month. Oh, great, month. great. That's good. If he gets the opportunity, he's going to try to make it, but he has to make sure that his calendar is avail- oh, uh, he's clear busy, for that. he's a busy man. Very busy. Mm-hmm. But we just appreciate him taking the time to recognize the need for African-American children and foster an adoptive home in his community. So we ask that anybody who is interested, come out and talk to us. Learn more about the program. Pick up a brochure, as well as visit with our different vendors who are going to be there as well on that day. Hmm. Sounds like big fun and informative, you know, with information and stuff. So you guys go and check it out on Saturday from 10 o'clock, right? Until yes, sir. 3? 10 to 3. 10 to 3 at the Lacey Park Community, uh, Community Center. Center. So it should be good. I wish I could make it, but you know, I got this radio broadcast and going to be tied up. Speaking of Saturday from, um, Excuse me. Uh, from uh, twelve to two o'clock, I'll have Miss Erica Harris in here. She'll be in here talking about her recent project down in Muskogee. She's bought a hotel, and uh, they're renovating it in for uh, veterans. You know, she's going to house veterans in there, uh, veterans living. So uh, they're in the process of working on it right now. And so she's going to be in here on Saturday talking about the veterans and the qualifications and how they can, because, you know, the vet is in Muskogee. They got that big hospital and all that down there. So she's got that, this hotel that she's changing into a living quarters for veterans. So that's the end of, and they have programs for mental health and other things. So Erica Tucker will be in here on Saturday and uh, on Friday night, me and Nehemiah Frank are coming in here. We're talking about why don't black businesses advertise. That's Friday night. We're going to be in here talking about it. Um, there are platforms, and just tune in and ask yourself, if you're a black business, why don't we advertise? You know, it's so often to me, Lynn, a black business will go get a building or something like that, and they'll get the key, and they'll open it up, and then they'll stock their business up and fix it all up on the inside and they'll put a sign outside and they'll just kick back and expect for people to come through the door. You know, and then people are passed by, passed by, passed. they won't know nothing about it because out of sight, out of mind. You know, you and it used to be a time when you could do that. Word of mouth was just it. You know, you in the hood, you opened up a food stand or whatever you opened up, somebody would know about it. Today, you have to do sales and marketing and branding for your business because people just don't know. They get so involved inside on the inside of their business, they don't be concerned about the outside of their business where the people are. You know, and you got to let them know. Information is power. So you got to advertise. You got to do social media is free. It's all free. You got several platforms on there. You just got to maintain it and do it on a consistent basis to get people to know who you are and where you are, where you're located, you know, what's going on with your business, you know. So um, 
you know, we're a race of people. We got to learn some stuff. And we got to have some good customer service, too. You know, we, we kind of rough on the customer service side when it comes to black businesses. You know, whenever I spend my money, I want some good service. You know, I don't want to be coming in and getting want to order some food and you sitting up talking on cell phone, you know, not paying me, you know, or coming in and not greeting me, at least greeting me and saying, hey, hello, welcome to so-and-so. You know, we got to get some uh, training in some of our, and some of our black businesses, not all, but some. But we're going to be talking about that, Nehemiah Frank and myself, on Friday night, Black Wall Street Times and the Bobby Eaton Show. You know, we are a few of us here in the community. So, Lynn Banks, back to Lynn, foster care. You know, now when you're adopting, we've been talking a lot about foster care. Adoption is a kind of different, isn't it? Yes, sir. So once you adopt, that takes you guys all out of the all out of the picture, or is it a, you know, like hey, but now this is Jimmy Eaton now. I've adopted him. He was Jimmy Johnson. Now I've adopted him and gave him my name. He's Jimmy Eaton. So does that take him out of the system? And he's just mine now. Yes, he becomes your legal child. My legal child. When so, you adopt him. So I have the right to do what I want to within the bounds of of good stuff. Correct. You know, I you know, but you know, just like my other children. Yeah, it's it's he becomes your child. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we have programs that are in place that when a child is adopted, um, there are some services that can be provided, post-adoption services that can be provided to a family who is interested in them, even once the child is legally yours. And with the One Church, One Child program, we still offer that support system, that support group for families who have finalized on their adoption because just because you have the child and you've adopted them doesn't mean that you don't continue to need resources and services and learn about things that can help you. That's true. So the one church, one child program continues to provide a support group Um, right here in the community. We do a support group for foster and adoptive parents, kinship parents um, who are needing additional resources and services. We partner with Lacey Park, once again, right here in the heart of the community to allow us to use their facility um, to provide those services for families. And we meet once a month, the last Monday of each month. Oh, okay. Okay, you do. Yes, sir. That's good. Um, Good information. Oh, man. So these children... um, they're housed with DHS, right? How is that? How where are the where are the foster children and where are they housed at? The goal is to find foster families for them to go to. In the past, oh, you can't tell where. The, okay, I got it. I in understand. the past, DHS has had a shelter. A shelter. They use the shelter. DHS doesn't have the shelter. Tulsa County had a shelter. So they're housed in the Tulsa County shelter. No, they once had a shelter. Oh. They no longer have a shelter. So where are they at? When a child is picked up and removed from the home, the staff at DHS continuously work to try to find a foster placement for that child to go to that evening. So they could be anywhere, huh? Correct. So they look for the first, they look for a home that is in Tulsa County. That's the first option is try to find an available home. And if they don't find one, where is that child 
where, where's the house and food and all of that? Is there any places? Or? They will find a foster home, even if it means that they have to drive the child across the state to the wherever pl- that empty bed is. Oh, okay. So it may mean that you pick a child up in Tulsa County and the so they're workers... So they're going to be in a foster home. Yes, they're going to be in a foster yeah, home. They, they, because they, a shelter is congregate care. That's not an appropriate placement for a child. Mm-hmm. A child needs to be in a nurturing family environment. So the goal is to make sure that children are in homes. That's why we need homes. So if a child is picked up and there is no home in Tulsa County to place them in, then they start trying to call those adjacent counties. And then it just keeps going out farther till they find a place. So you could have a child that's picked up in Tulsa County. We don't have a bed available to take that kid. And the only bed that's available may be in Woodward County. Then the worker has to drive that kid to Woodward County. Hmm. So we take them all the way to Woodward County, huh? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Take them all the way to Woodward County, which is very stressful, not only on the child, but on the DHS worker because Woodward is, what, four hours away? Mm-hmm. So they have to drive a kid up there and then drive back. That's so, an eight-hour eight ride, huh? That's an eight-hour ride. And if you got a family and kids and all that, you got to endure all of that as well if you have your own family. Right. Yeah. But mm. And that's why it's so important that we have homes that are available right here in our county, in our community, to take our kids. And what happens is in that process of being approved mm-hmm. as a foster parent, foster or adoptive parent, mm-hmm. you have the option to say what age range, sex of the child that you want placed in your home. Mm-hmm. You have that option. You can say, well, I think that a school age boy would work best in my home because I have a son that is seven or eight years old. So a school age boy would work better because I have twin beds in that room. Okay. So you get the opportunity to say what you feel will work best in your home. So if that type of child or that age range child comes into DHS custody and you have an empty bed, they'll give you a call and say, Mr. Eaton, we had this kid that came in. We know you have an empty bed. Are you willing to take little Johnny? Mm -hmm. And you say, yes. So then they, they make that placement. Okay. They make the placement. Uh DHS makes the placement. But if you don't have, if there's no bed to place a child in, in Tulsa County, then you have to start looking for other foster homes in other counties to place our children. It's a process, huh? It's a process. Yes, sir. So how many, uh, am I saying agents or people like yourself here in Tulsa, African-American? Agencies like myself? Yeah, because it's just you, right? Yes, sir. One church, one child. What our goal is and what our contract says that we are to do is to recruit families specifically for African-American children. DHS also recruits foster parents, and then they also have other private agencies that are out out here doing this work as well, not only in Tulsa but across the state that also recruit foster and adoptive homes. So there are other agencies that do this work as well. But our program, One Church, One Child, specifically has been selected to work in the African-American community. Mm -hmm. That is our goal. Um, Like I said, we work with any family who is interested, any family that comes to us. It doesn't matter. 
we will work with them to help get them approved um, so that they can take children who come into custody. But our specific goal and what our job is, is to work with African-American families. So we have people who look like us who are doing the same work. It, it, it provides a level of uh, comfortability, if I can say that, mm-hmm. when you feel like you can connect with the person who you are working with. And historically, it's hard to go to the system because they nosy, they want to know all my business. They ask too many questions. It's a trip, huh? Yeah, it is. Uh-huh. And we don't want to do that. So we want to make it comfortable for families. Yeah, families need to be comfortable because when you're receiving someone that you don't know into your home, you know, and they're young, then you got to kind of be on your P's and Q's for that, right? Correct. Mm-hmm. And what we want to do is we want to have an honest conversation with the community mm-hmm. and family about the needs for our children and help support families through this process. And all they have to do is give us a call. At what number? 918-813-1164 or 1-800-865-0225. Okay. All right. We'll be right back. Hey, you're on the Bobby Eaton Show where we tell our stories our way. Jasmine in my mind. 
Some of y'all love those Isleys. And uh, speaking of Isleys, on Saturdays from uh, 2.30 to 5 o'clock, it's the Dale Mr. Taylor Groove. Well, Mr. Taylor. <laughs> Dale Mr. Groove Taylor. 
is going to be here, and he's going to be playing some of that old school that you guys like from 2 to 5. And on um, Sundays, we got gospel and jazz in the evening time. So you guys tune in to the all-new KBOB. That's what we'll be talking about. Ladies and gentlemen, the all-new KBOB 89.9 FM, Black on Black Community Radio. KBOB, the home of the Bobby Eaton Show, the Juice Radio Show, and Two Dogs Radio Show. Yeah. I do it big. Okay. You better R-E-S-P-E-C-T me. Tulsa, Oklahoma. Stay connected and call us now at 646-716-5525 and press 1 to go live. It's the Two Dogs Radio Show. Sports Talk has two new voices. Jerome and Young. Talk NFL. NBA. NCAA. And local sports. Highlighting legendary coaches locally and around the globe. Two Dogs Radio Show. Start. Now. Alright, don't start right now. It's going to start on Tuesday. So y'all tune in Tuesday. Two Dogs Radio Show. And we're working on Vanessa Hall Harper Show. And we're working on all these different shows and trying to get this pet, this pet, this platform uh, filled up with various different uh, shows and stuff. So, hey, if you got any ideas and things like that, you know, you can. I can't do the Bobby Eaton show all day, night, all day and night, or the Juice Radio show. So, you guys get involved. Bring us some suggestions. Uh, dial eight three two four four three nine four nine nine. That number is eight three two. Four four three nine four nine nine. We need uh, some suggestions for this platform, KBOB Black on Black Community Radio, eighty nine point nine FM. Now the internet radio that you guys are listening to right now will remain the same, so you don't have to do anything but tune in. You know, Lynn Banks in the house. Lynn, hey, we've had a great time talking about. Uh, adoption and foster care and so informative so much information we've covered a lot of stuff you know in these couple of hours and I want to thank you for taking the time to come out and your donation that you donated and just want to thank you well thank you for having us we really appreciate you Mr. Eaton and the service that you're providing to the community it gives us an opportunity to come out and be able to tell our stories our way well, thank you, because I believe in giving a voice to the voiceless. And uh, information is power, and the more information we give, the better off we're going to be. Yes, sir. So thank you, Lynn, okay? Thank you. All right, great. Well, you're on the Bobby Eaton Show every Monday, Wednesday, uh, Friday, 6 p.m. Central Standard Time, and on Saturdays from 12 to 2 p.m. Uh, Central Standard Time. And... Uh, want you to participate, tell a family member, tell a friend, you know, tune in because information is power. Always support black media. I'm telling you guys, support your local black media, wherever you're at on the globe, you know, tell some people because we need information because a lot of times out of sight, out of mind, you know, we just don't get the information. Uh, Tomorrow is the Juice Radio Show. Headed up by Ramal, the hometown heat. Now, y'all got to tune in to the juice. The juice is here. Hey, them young people be on. They have conversations that I'll be like, okay, all right, yeah, that's good. Juice radio show. 
6 p.m. Central Standard Time. Dialing number 646-716-5525. Ramal and the Juice Radio Show. Friday night, it is uh, Why Don't Black Businesses Advertise? Uh, Me and Neil Frank of the Black Wall Street Times will be in here chopping it up, talking about that. And on Saturdays, well, that's that's 6 o'clock. And on Saturday, we have Miss Erica Tucker, uh, entrepreneur. She's talking about re- how she's renovating, renovating a hotel <clears throat> in Muskogee and making it uh, living quarters for veterans. So I got stuck right there. I'm thinking about it. Wow. I'm just envisioning it, you know, and putting it in my head and stuff. Well, until the next time, strength and blessings and take care of yourself and stay black, okay? <laughs>